We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Race attack on watch out. Burst of speed. Look at this freshman. Welcome to the home of professional football. Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm still your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to in-season college and NFL football breakdowns to NFL draft coverage, all the way to, you know, discussions as to who should make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Always talk some fantasy football since this is a Rotoviz radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. Uh, we've been talking a lot about, you know, college football playoffs, NFL playoffs. Last week we talked about, you know, all of the intriguing running back prospects coming into this class and, and some of the underweight guys from the skinnier backs that may not look like features and things like that. But this week, we're going to dive into a, something, an exercise that I do every single year on Twitter. It's actually, I always call it the whatever year it is, like the 2021 Rookie Poll Mock. And you can check out that hashtag if you want to go see the results for yourself. But I, I'm, I was always just curious as to uh, what, what consensus was on r- rookies incoming in every single class. So we're going to take a look at what the consensus is according to you, the listener and people who follow me and people who see the, the polls that get shared on Twitter. Had about 10,000 votes uh, come in for this poll and did two full rounds of picks. But uh, to join me and break down the top 24 rookies, according to you and according to the masses, uh, I'm actually joined by Scott Connor, good friend of mine. We've we've worked on some stuff together in the past, been on podcasts together. But Scott, you can find him on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. 
He is the host of the Dynasty and Chill podcast, Chasing the Helmet podcast, and also does work with Dynasty League football. But uh, good to see your face again, Scott. You doing all right? I am, Travis. Thanks for having me on. First time on this show, but yeah, we've done uh, many pods in the past. Uh, you've yeah. been on my show a couple times, so... Glad to be here. It, it, it's fun when you sent me this, uh, and I'm just sitting here thinking, <laughs> yeah, a lot of this is going to change over the next, I believe, 86 days until the draft, yeah. so a little over 12 weeks. But yeah, it's going to be crazy. I like looking at this stuff now just to have something in place because there's going to be so many pieces of data that come in over the next you know, 8 to 12 weeks. You're going to be tweaking and tweaking and tweaking, but I don't know about you. The masses know I'm in a lot of leagues, and I have a lot <laughs> of drafts that literally – start like Friday, Saturday night after the draft. So you got to have something in place. Oh yeah. The last piece is draft capital landing spot. You got to be ready to adjust immediately. So I love doing this now. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Glad to have you. I mean, you and I are both in probably way too many leagues. You're in way more than I am, but we're just super nerds <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. And I actually, I mean, like right now I'm in the, in the middle of a draft that we're already drafting like next year's Debbie and future college players. Like uh, one guy already picked uh, this kid who's like, he's not even going to be in college until 2023 like <laughs> like that kind of yeah. level of deep uh just looking through like the top recruiting classes and seeing trying to figure out who's going to be the next big college football star and NFL star super nerdy levels of, of stuff like that but um <laughs> it's always fun talking college football and NFL but we're going to talk about the transition today and like I said the top 24 rookies and I, I always I'm always interested just to see kind of where the natural tier breaks are uh, where players, uh, where there seems to be a massive gap where, uh, you know, people would take, you know, let's say the top three players way, way over the, the like fourth and below. And then like maybe at pick nine, there's another big tier break. Uh, and just to see where consensus truly lies on all these top incoming NFL prospects for fantasy football rookie drafts. So going to kick it off at the very top. First three picks are actually, they make up the tier one. And this is if you play fantasy football, this is a one quarterback league format. Izzy Elkafas is actually doing a, a two quarterback mock that's similar. If you want to check it out, same hashtag, the 2021 rookie poll mock on Twitter. You can follow me at FF underscore Travis M. And Izzy actually came on the show uh, here recently. And uh, I think you can actually find him at DTC underscore Izzy E uh, to follow his similar version of this mock just to figure out the top 24 rookies incoming for fantasy football purposes. But we've talked about this guy a lot on the show in the past few months or so. And that's probably because uh, by many people's ranks, he's obviously a really highly touted running back prospect. But the first overall pick in the rookie poll mock that you guys kind of selected uh, was actually Najee Harris out of Alabama. And, you know, Scott, you and I talked about this prospect for probably far too long. I've been, you know, arguing over how good he was, you know, since like five years ago, probably when he was a top recruit. Najee Harris took down like 40% of the vote and won by like 7%. And I was kind of surprised because I thought that there may be, you know, one of the other running backs or the consensus wide receiver one would have beaten him out for the first pick. But the consensus showed like with 2,400 something votes on it, that Najee Harris is just by far the top overall incoming rookie, uh, according to most anyway. So, What's your take on Najee? And I know you were a little bit skeptical coming into this year. Let's hear your take on Najee. I think people kind of know me for being anti-Najee Harris, and I'll give a couple takes. I think the first one is I was very vocal about him being off my board based on him <laughs> going back to school last year, and I've been vocal about that throughout the season. Now, you know, I made that post last year not only because everyone knows it's been – 
hit home many, many times. You know, he's going to be an older prospect, you know, 23.2 years old, you know, this May. So, I mean, he's already going to be an older prospect before he takes the field. Now, I've heard the argument also that it doesn't matter for running backs. And I, I would argue that that's probably true. You know, we, we tend to start shipping off running backs in Dynasty by the time they get to even guys that haven't even come up for free agency yet. You know, even guys like <laughs> Nick Chubb, we're almost like, should I pivot <laughs> off of Nick Chubb for a, you know, a rookie or a second year running back? It's always the obsession of trying to hit that reset button. So it may not matter an age coming in. But if you do look at just like a cohort report of players that fit the profile of Najee Harris, you know, maybe it's a lack of sample size. There's not a lot of them, you know, over the last 10 years, if you just take guys that were drafted on, you know, the top two days of the NFL draft or round one and round two, the number of guys that were over 23, it's really small. It's there's not a lot small. of them. I think there's only like six over the last 10 years or yeah. so. So, yeah. and they haven't all you know, done very well either. Like, I mean, like, I'm, right, what, right. The last one was uh, Sonny Michelle. Like, that was, you know, so it's, they don't, they don't hit as much. I mean, there's, there's been tons of people have done work on this. Older running backs that choose to go back for the senior year, especially you know, don't, don't hit as, as much as, you know, a 21 year old who leaves early. And just practically speaking, it makes sense because, you know, typically if you're good enough to go out and, and make it in the first round of the NFL draft, you're going to go out early and you're going to go out and get paid. Right. The idea was, I mean, for you and for many, it's just like, man, if I'm going to draft Najee in a, a dynasty league and he's going to get quote unquote old by like year two, like, I don't want to really necessarily invest in that kind of player. But beyond that, I think your your take kind of goes even further than that, really, right? It does, and I think that you know one of the other things with with Najee is you have to you have to know well why did he return to school? We don't know why he returned to school. No. We don't really get that on a lot of prospects. I you know I'm mostly an analytics guy. I look at basically I formulate almost everything that I have in terms of player rankings from the data, and then I I leverage people that have time to actually watch players, and I mix that in. So I'm taking some of that data and putting it into my own models or rankings or whatever you want to call it. So I don't know why he went back to school. We don't know. We really only can take his profile for what it was. Now, if he comes out last year, he's very comparable to a ton of other guys that if you would have just pulled from maybe like top 50 picks, great, you know, great success rate. Even as a 22 year old, many, many others fit that same criteria. One of the things I assumed, and this is where my evaluation on Najee was wrong. I assumed last year, why he came out or why he didn't come out was because, you know, he didn't get a good enough grade. I figured if you're a running back from such a high profile school, especially yeah. Alabama guys don't need to dominate to be high, high pedigree draft picks in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's I mean, been proven. just the year before he had Josh Jacobs from his same school that he could have come out and said, Hey, if I had a good enough grade, if he got a top 50 grade, I'm coming out as a running back. I, I yeah. just assume that, right? Well, then he goes back to school and I'm okay. I'm saying, okay, there's no way he can improve his draft stock. But now you look back, you see what he did last year. And also Travis, I got to say, he timed it right in terms of the class he was going against. Oh so, yeah. Oh, this, this class versus last year. I mean, I was just talking right. about that with the, some of the other road of his guys today. There was like, last year was like five other guys that were, you know, consensus top 50 picks this year. There's, yep. you know, maybe one other, 
that's just obviously a top 50 talent. And then that's it. It's like him. It's like, and Travis Etienne. And then what? Like, I, you know, like I, I there, everyone has their guy. I, I do, especially like with Javante. I, I like Javante Williams, but yeah, he just came out at the right time. And it looks like it was just the perfect storm. And when you look at his usage this year, man, like it's nuts. Like if you look at, you know, how many carries he got inside the 10, inside the five, like versus anyone else in the country, it's just straight silly. Like he has... Uh, he had almost 40 rush attempts inside the opponent's 10-yard line, <laughs> almost 40, and he like that was good for 10, 10 more than everyone else in the country outside of three other running backs. So, and and he turned those like almost 40 carries in the uh, in inside the, the opponent's 10-yard line into 19 touchdowns on the ground. So when you have some crazy bonkers touchdown numbers and yardage numbers in your final season, even if you are an older rookie, people are going to still look at you and go, oh my gosh, okay, so he's a he's an Alabama running back. He's like 230-something pounds. People automatically think, oh, it's Derrick Henry, and he can catch. I, I, I get the hype there, but he's not my first overall pick still. But uh, I'm curious, before we move on, and, and we'll kind of move faster on these, these other guys, but who is your number one overall rookie in like one quarterback formats? Well, I'm with you. Um, I think the last point on Najee is I still, I'm about 90% bought in. Yeah. But I, I when you play, let's just say he goes in the top 25 picks. You almost can ignore a lot of the other stuff. You got to just say, you know, the NFL knows all this stuff. They know his – I'm sure they know players of that profile typically don't go that high. They still picked him that high. So you almost can throw everything else out. Now, if for some reason he falls to like the late second round, I won't get him. I will be further down on him because of that. So I think draft capital is still going to matter. But, yeah. you know, I just didn't assume he could improve it, and he did. So I, yeah. I still have – to answer your question, I would still take Travis Etienne over him just because Same. of – Home run hitters, major upside. That those are the difference makers in dynasty. I think Najee can be really good. Uh, can he ever reach a Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley level? I'd rather just take the shot on the guy that I think can. But I think it's splitting hairs. I, I've seen some recent. Uh, maybe the NFL isn't as high on Etn as we might think, but yeah. I don't know. But I would still take him over Najee. If you if you made me pick right now without knowing any landing spots or draft capital. You know, I think if ETN lands in the right spot, um, everyone says like San Francisco, but if he landed like somewhere there, it's like, dude, that's just, that's wheels up 101. Yep. So yeah, ETN. <laughs> it would change things. Yeah. Yes. Last, I mean, last year, I mean, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire, that would, that ended up being a terrible pick anyway, but for the chiefs, but I mean, it, he was like running back five or six for most of this time last year, even after his crazy uh, playoff run. But the, the next two guys that are also in tier one, uh, according to the consensus right now, thousands of people voting on this. Uh, Jamar Chase is number two, and number three is Travis Etienne. So wide receiver one, Jamar Chase actually took down the poll by a way more convincing margin. Uh, and so people were, it looks like, pretty clear Najee won, and pretty clear Jamar Chase two. He actually won by 19% of the vote, uh, had like 53% of the overall vote there. And so Jamar Chase had the year off, uh, you know, people are going to question his acumen against the press press coverage or whatever. People want to nitpick him for, but he has a really impressive uh, production profile and um, incredibly uh, efficient season back in 2019. Of course, had like 80 something receptions, like 20 touchdowns, ridiculous average depth of target and catch rate at his depth of target. Just lighten it up and really the most prolific offense ever. And meanwhile, you know, uh, on his same team, Justin Jefferson actually had more receptions, but was not as efficient as Jamar Chase. I mean, 
If he's anything near Justin Jefferson, you got to think, okay, this guy looks like an automatic hit, right? Yeah, and I think uh, the only argument against Jamar Chase at 102 is kind of what we talked about. We can almost lump, you know, ETN. I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but ETN is 103. Yeah. To me, it is Jamar Chase is clearly the number one receiver. I mean, he checks all of the boxes you could want. Yeah. Uh, early, de- early declare, 19 year old breakout age. You know, following Justin Jefferson, I think it was honestly, I think it was smart for him to sit out this past year. Yeah. You know, now. People can argue maybe that that hurts him a little bit in NFL circles. I don't buy it. I think he's still no. going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, yeah. So I, I think he made the right choice to do that. I think the only the only knock, two things. One, running back scarcity. If you look at the dynasty RB landscape right now, it's like maybe 20 players you trust going into maybe. the offseason. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. And that's on the fringe of guys like, you know, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, that are, those types yeah. were like, I like, I like them, but there could be changes in scheme or different teams where maybe their value kind of levels off a little bit. So I think it's just the positional value. I had a debate probably two weeks ago on Twitter about this. It's not against Jamar Chase. It's against the positional value. And I think the other thing, Travis, is receivers are so deep in Dynasty right now. So yeah. deep. There are so many good ones. And the... If you look at where these rookies, based on their profiles, are valued day one, I mean, Jamar Chase, I would not be shocked, is a top 15 dynasty receiver. Yeah, right. The second he's drafted. So you're not getting a lot of equity with him. He could end up being a fabulous receiver, but he, you do not have a lot of room to go. When you are top 15 day one, you yeah. don't have a lot of room to rise. You almost pressure. have to hit. Oh, man, like immediately. <laughs> exactly. And if, and if he does, Justin Jefferson hit. But I even question, you know, Justin Jefferson's like wide receiver two, three, four for a lot of people right now. I question, I don't think he can sustain that. And he's amazing. But, you know, the, the what it takes to sustain top five receiver production yeah, over that long of a time. I mean, it's and the other thing, it's funny. You look back at Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, these guys that rose to that value range, none of them were the smash top one or two receivers off the board in their class. So I just don't think there's a lot of room to grow for Chase, but clearly, you know, he's the wide receiver one, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Like him a lot. And I think he just took one look at the dumpster fire that was the quarterback room at LSU coming into this (laughs) year. And he was like, you know what? Yeah, this COVID thing, I got to sit it out, guys. But (laughs) but it was really... I don't want to catch balls from these quarterbacks at all. So I I don't blame him either. It was was kind of a mess at times. Terrace Marshall still managed to blow up for LSU in some big games and had some crazy touchdown numbers for for like the first five or six weeks, especially in that Missouri game. But yeah, Chase, he would not have been as efficient as his 2019. So it it could have been another juju situation. He could have uh, seen a, a dip had he chosen to play. So probably good choice there. Travis Etienne, Number one running back for me has the speed, has the receiving profile, has everything that you want to see in a running back. Yes, he did a little bit worse this past season in terms of efficiency as a runner, but he really emptied up as a receiver, has adequate size, has the speed, has the burst, has the balance. I, I just, from a film standpoint and from a number standpoint, he checks a lot of boxes. I mean, we just, with the Rotoviz rookie guide, we just talked about breakaway run percentage. Blows it out of the water there. We talk about uh, the importance of final season receiving yard market share and how often those guys hit way, way over 10% mark market share there for him in his final season. Actually, he basically broke out as a receiver. <laughs> so uh, just kind of killing it. So it sounds like you and I are on the same page. He was the third pick. So it went Najee Harris, Alabama, 
Jamar Chase, LSU, Travis Etienne, Clemson. Anything else you want to add on Travis Etienne that you haven't said already? No, I think, um, you know, one of the interesting things is I mentioned before, like Alvin Kamara, but, you know, you get that a comp from a lot of people, but they're yeah. also. You know, you look at a guy like Austin Eckler or you look at a guy like Aaron Jones. I mean, it is very possible to be a elite high-end running back. I mean, Aaron Jones was an RB2 with, mm -hmm. you know, not even 300 touches. And Austin Eckler did it without less than 250 touches. So, I mean, you don't need to you don't need these guys to project to be, you know, 340, 350 touches in a season to reach high-end level. Now, scheme matters, targets matter, all that stuff matters, but that's kind of the reason you know, I almost compare this. I don't want to make the Derrick Henry comp, but I almost compare, you know, Najee more to a guy like Joe Mixon. He has the skill set yeah. to be a 60 reception guy, but is he going to be pigeonholed in an offense where they, they don't exploit that, which it's just tougher to get those points when, you know, most of your touches are carries. So I'd, I just would rather take a shot on ETN and, yeah, uh, and he's really you know, proved it ba bank on efficiency. Yeah, bank on that. And speaking of efficiency, like if you look at his like yak per uh, rush attempt this year, like he actually had to avoid some tackles, uh, whereas he didn't really have to in the in his first, uh, well, even just last year. The, I feel like the offensive line, the, the metrics would say that it was a better situation 2019 than this year for ETN. And when you look at his yak per target as a receiver, he absolutely crushed it. If you look at guys that caught at least 20 balls this year, there's no one even close. And he had over 10 yards after catch as a receiver, uh, as a running back. So just lighting it up in that category, just being efficient there. So I don't really care that he got shut down in a couple spots against you know two top 10 defenses in college football. That's just going to happen sometimes. He's still the running back one for me. Really, and back to another Bama guy who's also controversial. The fourth guy off the board was Devontae Smith, the guy who absolutely killed it this past season with 1,800 plus yards. I think he had, what was it, 4,000 touchdowns? I think that's what it was, something like yeah. that. And he did that at like negative three pounds. Like the dude is a rail uh, and people are going to knock him for that. But Devontae Smith was just lights out far and away the most dominant force in football this year. And that's why he won the Heisman, like a wide receiver finally actually won the Heisman. And he did so because, you know, he had like 150 targets. He had like uh, 100, almost 120 receptions on a, on what should have been a shortened year. Uh, just crazy, crazy numbers. And again, top five in yak per target, top, top five just across the board and like almost everything. I think even like touchdown percentage, just any kind of numbers you want to look at for his profile, he filled it out, answered the question. And in my adjusted production index, well, it looks at peak numbers. He finished like 99th percentile in terms of wide receivers dating back to 2005, like all the way. Check, 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 check. But he's skinny. So <laughs> I don't know. Where, where are you at with with uh, Devonte Smith? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if everyone knows kind of how I go about things, I mean, he's he's an outlier. If you literally search you know, everyone drafted in the last like 25 years and you just isolate, you know, his age, he's going to be a four-year player. He's over 22 and a half on draft day. So, you know, that's another kind of not a tick in my box. You know, you look at his breakout, really late breakout. So, I mean, those things aren't ideal, but then you look at, like you said, his production, but then you just isolate just those factors, just his biographical factors. And you put those, there's no comps for him. And then you factor in, like, you're looking at a guy that's going to be a top 10 pick. It's literally never happened that fits this profile. Yeah, so, but it's going to happen. I'm like torn. <laughs> I'm torn. And so I think like Jamar Chase, he's going to be valued as a top 20 receiver right away. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I want to leave drafts with zero shares of him. No. <laughs> but knowing the price it's going to cost, like I'm going to really have to pick my shots or pick my spots to do it. Yeah. Because I I really, this is my thing on, on Devontae Smith. I really don't think there is a lot of room to go up on him. He can be good, but, you know, I look at going into these rookie drafts. I know we're talking single quarterback, but, you know, whether it's a really, really heavy tight end premium or super flex, I just think the the exponential growth on your picks a lot of times are taken at running back, taken at quarterback, and taken mm-hmm. at tight end in certain, pre- in certain formats. And I just look at Devontae Smith as like a double. Maybe I can stretch it out to a triple. It's not a home run pick. So if I'm having to use a 103, 104, 105, uh, I'll get a couple, but I won't get a lot. So that's my take. But I have to factor in if the NFL takes him in the top 10. Again, they know all of this, he'd, he'd be and a, they're an basically ignoring unicorn. it and still doing it. So you got to <laughs> respect that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could, he could actually go before Jamar Chase in the real draft. See, I, that's, that's a real possibility. I mean, last year, the Raiders just loved Henry Ruggs, and they took him as the first wide receiver off the board. So you just don't really know where the NFL is with these guys this early. But you're right, man. Like If you, if you look at his profile like uh, there's a bunch of skinny dudes that went in like the mid rounds like nobody looks like him if, but if you plug in like the the implied like top 10 draft capital and we use like the road of his box score scout to look at some comps things get a lot better but there's like no no one that actually has a sim score that's really similar like you do get players like cd lamb you do get players like odell beckham jr uh, you do get players like Calvin Ridley, but like their sim score, like to, to actually compare and say like what percentage is he kind of even similar is way low for most of them because it's just he's such a weird, unique profile and, and a weird weight. There's just almost no player that looks like him. But I think that's part of why he's also intriguing because he looks so unique. He looks like, OK, this guy's different. This guy has everything. He's got the speed. He's got the ability. And I don't care that he's even scrawny, you know. So I think that's where a lot of people are going to land. And that's where obviously a lot of people already are, because for the fourth pick, uh, he took down the poll and with 50, I think 55 percent of the vote and won by over um, like a margin of 30 percent over second place. So a lot of consensus on him being like the fourth rated prospect in one quarterback leagues right now. But in tier three, there's five players. Uh, we'll kind of go through these here. I love this because Javante Williams, I have him in like the super deep Debbie league and a college to Canton league. I uh, already had him on my roster. So to see him rise up like, like crazy this year, putting up like 20 touchdowns is great. Javante Williams was the fifth pick in this early consensus uh, ranking system and poll. Uh, he actually took down 36% of the vote, only won by 7%, but that was beating out Kyle Pitts, who is, who's the sixth-rated rookie right now, beating out Jalen Waddell, who's the seventh-rated rookie right now, beating out Rashad Bateman, who was the eighth pick, and Rondell Moore, who was the ninth pick. So interesting that uh, a guy that kind of came onto the scene just this year, he is one of the youngest players in the draft. He, he does have a feature-back build. He is a good receiver. Uh, there's he, there's a lot of boxes checked, but he kind of came on late. Like not many people were really talking about him as a top five running back until what November, maybe December. So, uh, where are you at with Javante Williams? Well, actually, I think the uh, the poll voters got this one correct. Thank you. And Thank you. I'm right there with maybe you. Maybe there is a maybe there is a little. I think what happens is when you're taking a large sample size. This is what real rookie drafts are going to look like. There are going to be yeah. people we mentioned before. There's only about maybe 18 to 20 running backs that you can even say are going to have locked in jobs next year right now. 
there's going to be a starvation for I need a back. <laughs> and if I'm picking at the 105, 106, I can get a good receiver with top two round pedigree, and I may have a choice of a couple guys in round two. So there's going to be people that push up whoever the RB3, RB4 is in the class, whoever gets the draft capital. I think with Javante, you know, if he's a early early to mid third round pick, you yeah. push him down. But I've seen some having him in the early, late, late second round, maybe mid second round. Yeah. If so, you mentioned he's really young. He's just going to turn 21 right before the draft. So, I mean, he's in the range. I don't think he's as good as these guys, obviously, but he's in the range of, you know, where Cam Akers was last year. J.K. Dobbins was last year. Not comparable to those prospects, but I think the way that this came out, this is where he's going to go. He's going to yeah. go higher than receivers that have better hit rates, better profiles, because people need running backs. So I think they nailed this one. Uh, he's clearly the RB3, and I think this is what a real draft's going to look like. Love it. Love, love that you're right there. Uh, I, I was kind of high among the Rotoviz rankers uh, on the Rotoviz rookie guide that just came out. Uh, speaking of you guys, you can definitely check that out. It's actually available the first volume 36 pages of awesome rookie content put together by a bunch of the guys uh, myself included it was just a blast looks beautiful thanks to Curtis Patrick just making it look awesome as he always does uh, but yeah it, it was fun to just rank him highly and just be like look this is if he gets capital he's up there he's running back three so I'm uh, glad to see that the the masses are already on that but Kyle Pitts at the sixth pick and the fact that he's a tight end and this is not tight end premium or anything. It's just like normal league. What are your thoughts on that just in general? Like taking a tight end at all, let alone uh, Kyle Pitts this year that high in rookie drafts? Yeah, so this is the first pick where I look at this and I say, uh, no, can't do it. Can't do it. I think uh, the, the one thing positive with Kyle Pitts is whether you agree with this or not, again, this push up of rookies, he is going to be a top four, five, six tight end day one. That's how the dynasty landscape is going to value him. So from an investment standpoint, I don't think it's a terrible pick. I mean, there will be people that say, you know, where do you think Kyle Pitts is going to go? I think probably top 20 in the draft is, is conservative. I mean, I've seen people yeah. mocking him in the top five, top, he could be top, top 10. 10. Yeah, I, top 10 picks overall in the real draft. So Yeah, so if he's, if he's in that range, I don't think it's unfair for people to say, I prefer him over Dallas Goddard, Hunter Henry, maybe Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson. Like, that's where he's going to be. So value-wise, I think you're picking a good investment. I'll, I'll plug this because I just finished writing a chapter for the Analytics of Dynasty. Uh, Jordan McNamara does that book every year. Now, I studied tight end premium formats and basically where where's the replacement value in different formats. And I will say in just a PPR league and even a 1.5 PPR league, I think tight ends are generally overvalued. We overvalue their equity, especially outside of your starting lineup. You know, oh, people yeah. people will draft extra tight ends and say, oh, well, I can flex them. They're not optimal flexes. Rotoviz no. did a lot of work on this during the season about where, you know, winning the flex, where does that come from? It's not tight ends, even in 1.5 PPR. So on pits, you know, a league like this, not not tight end premium, 106 is way too high. I'll be getting my shots in these, uh, you know, 1.75, 2 PPR or t- start two tight end leagues. But yeah, other than that, I think fun. this is way too high. Yeah, those Just are too that, high that, here. That does change the game. If you play in some weird sure. formats with, with multiple tight ends that you have to start, that does change the game. 
uh, for sure. But I just don't think that we can really bank on him immediately being like, oh, okay, this guy's automatically Travis Kelsey and he's going right. to you know, lead tight ends and fantasy points for five years straight. Like that's just, that's not a good bet. Like historically speaking, I love him. Lines up all over the field, big slot, outside, X wide receiver, inline guy. He's not a perfect blocker, but man, he dominates at every level of the field and it's fun to watch in college, but I just, it, it, it's, it's a little rich there at the sixth pick, but just with this next tier, Jalen Waddle at the seventh pick, Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore. Then there was a huge drop off, by the way, Rondale Moore won the ninth poll with 78% of the vote and won by a margin of victory of 68%. Like no one was even close. It's a hard stop top nine players. That's like the big tier. Like the the elite top tier talents that I think people are most confident in their draft capital and their upside this year for fantasy football purposes. But Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, who's your guy in that tier that you're believing in most? Well, I'll go against uh, the results here. It's it's definitely Rashad Bateman. I think him and Rondale are very close from a profile standpoint. Both 18 year old breakouts. Now you know you you can kind of argue that you know their season was a wash. Uh, obviously, Rondale's going to have to answer questions about the injuries too. Um, now, you know it's interesting because he gets a, he gets knocked a lot for being small, and when you really take out the fact that he's only five nine, and then you factor in you know where some of these other guys with similar size, and he has a much higher BMI than some other guys that have still gotten draft capital. So yeah, I've heard. I, I know you're a Purdue guy. I know absolutely uh, boiler up. <laughs> so I, I've heard people saying that you know, maybe Rondale has fallen. I'm assuming he is going to be a top 40 pick, top 50 pick. Now, yeah, I think that's the safe. profile. That's I, I prefer Bateman. I think Bateman's a, going to be a first rounder, no doubt. So I prefer him right now. But, you know, if Rondale does fall late second, early third, then I have some questions. But I think it, the profile is just so strong. It's hard for me to put him any lower than wide receiver four. And, you know, Waddle has his own questions. So, uh, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> He's going to be an outlier too. So I'm again, he's going to be like Devonte Smith where like I'm going to get a couple shares but you know, he's never somebody I'd be convicted on. So I'd go Bateman, Rondale, Jalen Waddle, those three. Yeah, and really the analytics would say that both more like Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman are easily way way ahead of Jalen Waddle uh, just in terms of like historical hit rate and what where he really lands in, in, in terms of his fantasy football contributions. But at the same time, like it, we can also almost say with 100% certainty that Jalen Waddell is going to go earlier in the NFL draft because the NFL is addicted to speed. They're addicted to yak guys. They're addicted to just dynamic kick returners and highlight plays and, you know, I guess selling jerseys. <laughs> but uh, Jalen Waddell, you know, coming from Alabama, everybody knows his name. But it's really funny because... With, with what they bring to the game, just from a film standpoint, too, I actually still like Rondell Moore more than I do Jalen Waddle. Like you, it's just they do a lot of the same things. They're not that far off size-wise. Uh, Rondell Moore just broke out way earlier. It just seems to me like I would, I would always, every single time, prefer Rondell Moore. That's my guy in this crew. Bateman, I, I, have, I have questions about his, um, you know, I guess, outside of, like, you know, running slant. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's like he, he runs slants more than anybody. He's like the college football version of Michael Thomas. I have questions with him, but his early career production profile was bonkers. So I really do like him quite a bit. Really, this this is kind of the end of the surefire automatic capital or like really promising production profile tier of guys. Beyond this, there are more questions or just positions that we don't typically value super highly. But before we kind of do a lightning round with the rest of the picks here and kind of go down the list of the remaining 15 picks in this Rookie Polmock, the early consensus top 24 rookies, according to you, just a word from our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show nine picks in so far just to recap we tier one it was Najee harris alabama running back jamar chase wide receiver lsu Travis Etienne, running back Clemson. Then we went to Devontae Smith, wide receiver Alabama. Pick five was Javante Williams, North Carolina running back. Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. And then a, a tier of three wide receivers hotly debated. Jalen Waddell, Rashad Bateman, and Rondell Moore. And then there's a huge tier break now as we go into kind of the end of the first round of rookie drafts. Get to, uh, you know, there's, like, okay, so do I start reaching for a quarterback? Do I start reaching for other tight ends? There's a bunch of more questions. I think every single year, this part of rookie drafts in, in most dynasty leagues, there's there's a lot more debate as to who we should go for. But the, the pick here was Trevor Lawrence. And I think in a year where he just has been the, the quarterback one in this class for, for literally five years. So much consensus here. I feel like people are just going for the safety of going after a quarterback. But what are your thoughts of, of taking a quarterback and taking Trevor Lawrence around pick 10 in a one quarterback dynasty league? 
Well, I'll throw this out there. Uh, although I've played in a lot of one quarterback leagues before, I have two, and they're converting to super flex. So yeah, I have it's... washed my hands of <laughs> one quarterback leagues. But, you know, I've wrestled with this many times going, you know, the, the narrative is usually, well, I, I have a pretty good hit rate if I'm taking a guy that's going to go 101 like, in a first draft. First pick, yeah. And, you know, this is a guy who's going to contribute to my team. The question becomes – you know, what is the what is the replacement value advantage by taking him here versus taking a shot on, you know, another first round receiver or a running back that may be able to help me right away versus it's not that hard to find a quarterback. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting in single quarterback leagues is, and I'm sure you've probably experienced this before, on paper, it should be really easy to get them. It should be really easy to stream. It should be <laughs> should really be. easy to say, well, they're not that hard to obtain. But practically, you find a lot of leagues where it's like, you know, maybe in deeper roster leagues too, where people just hoard them and oh, they yeah. just don't give them up. That's so, the, that's most of my leagues. It, yeah. It's so like, it's like, okay, well I should be able to go buy Kirk cousins for like the three twelve, and someone's like, nah, man, I want the two Oh six or something like that. So yeah, it's like, always, nah. there is some equity in saying, okay, I'm just going to take one, fill that spot. I know I'm probably losing from a, you know, an upside perspective or roster value perspective. Uh, the other thing is this past season showed us, you got to be able to run. You got to be able to get points on the ground if you want to be a difference maker, not just a filler. Uh, and unless you are historically, you know, I've, I've started messing around with some efficiency data too. And I think the combo is finding these guys that are, you know, you don't have to be Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Taysom Hill, Jalen Hurts level on the ground to be great. Uh, but if you have really good efficiency, think of a guy like Ryan Tannehill, yeah. maybe the most efficient quarterback in the league. Yeah. He can still give you 15, 20% of his points on the ground. That's a formula to Huge getting win. to a top 10, top eight quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what, so, I mean, Trevor Lawrence can do it. I think Justin Fields can do it. Like, I think that's yep. that's why in Superflex or two quarterback leagues, like that's the one, two, like automatic pick for most yep. people for fantasy football purpose. But I was just interested in your thoughts there. But I think the safety there going with Trevor Lawrence, just with the implied draft capital. And yeah, it's it's a good, it's a good bet for safety but upside maybe not but there there is questionable upside after this because like next up is Terrace Marshall out of LSU impressive touchdown percentage uh, even in his year where he was hobbled with his ankles and splitting targets with Justin Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase he still found a way to score 13 touchdowns and, and boast the highest touchdown percentage of any wide receiver in college football so what, what are your thoughts on Terrace Marshall out of LSU well, it's funny because, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that I joked even in the summer that, oh, well, you know, Jamar Chase is going to opt out and he'll probably have a breakout and rise to the top, you know, five or six receivers in the yeah. class. He's super young. He doesn't turn 21 until June. Yeah, man. So I'm sitting here going like, it's a pipe dream, but, you know, maybe he'll break out and then come out early and all of a sudden he'll be in the top, you know, five or six. And lo and behold, it happened. So there's a little <laughs> bit of the... There's going to be a little bit of the questions on, I don't know what the NFL necessarily thinks of Terrace Marshall. I think he's probably a early second round pick, if I had to guess right now. Maybe wide receiver seven, eight off the board. But still, I like guys really young. I talked about that last year. When you can get these guys, forget about his profile. There's some holes in his profile. Obviously, it would have been nice if he would have done something a year earlier. But then you look at the fact that he had Chase and Jefferson on his team. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 55 receptions. I mean... You know, can you really knock him for that? I don't know. But one thing I like about him, super young. We know people in Dynasty are suckers for really young receivers if they do anything. If he lands <laughs> in the right spot, yeah. he does anything the first year, immediately the narrative in year two is going to be like, well, he was wide receiver 35 to start, 
Dude, he had 40 catches, 600 yards, six touchdowns. You know, he was wide receiver 40 as a rookie. Now he automatically gains value because he's young, right? He's mm-hmm. going to get 20, 30% better, right, Travis? Yeah, so, that's year two. That's the pop. You know? I like taking those guys <laughs> versus some of the other profiles. There's some other receivers that are 22, 23. There's just, there's just less upside. So I, I like Marshall more than others because of that reason alone. Yeah. I, I like him a lot, too. I think I have him around that fringe, around this spot. Uh, in in one quarterback leagues and really close to it with Superflex as well. Uh, But moving on to the 12th pick, I was surprised that Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis, even missing this entire season, playing for Memphis. You know, like it's not like he was an Alabama running back. He took the whole year off, uh, had a huge 2019 where he, you know, he had 1,400 plus rushing yards, 600 plus receiving yards of over over 50 receptions. Uh, He's a little small, but with 2,000 yards from scrimmage, two seasons ago or just over a season ago. Uh, are you a Kenny Gainwell guy? Uh, you know, this is a tough one. Cause I think if you want Kenneth Gainwell, you're probably going to have to take him here. He's going to be <laughs> RB four, five or six off the board. I think he's going to go day two. So he's going to check both of those boxes. Uh, like we talked about with Devonte Williams, the running back scarcity is going to push him up. Uh, we saw it last year with, you know, Darrington Evans and Anthony McFarland and Zach Moss. I mean, those guys got pushed up just because people are always starving for running backs. But yeah, I'll say he's got the receiving chops. Um, he's probably going to be dependent on the OC and the coach that he goes to. Um, you know, I think there could be good landing spots and bad landing spots for him. But I will say, if you look back at the last couple years, uh, it's typically a bad idea to draft these round three, round four running backs over you know, top two round receivers, that's yeah. usually a bad bet, as bad as you need running backs. I mean, Justice Hill, Devin Singletary, Alex Madison. The list goes on. Go through the line. <laughs> I went through the other day yeah. and looked at the last five years, guys that went in round three and the first half of round four, it's like a no. hit rate of like three out of 28. So it's pretty bad. <laughs> Not so great. that's kind of where he's going to go, I think. Don't you think like early, mid round three at best? Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, but the argument though, everyone's going to say, well, he was a feature back sharing the field with Antonio Gibson. Uh, but in, and he was doing that when he was undersized. And I just hope that he g- did gain weight. I hope, I hope he comes in at like 205, 210, something like that, and, and still maintains some burst uh, at his pro day. Because uh, if he does that, I think I'm going to change my tune. He's had long enough. He's had, a, he's had an entire offseason to really make his body ready to be a professional NFL running back. So if he gets there, I'll have less questions. I have some questions about his size, but love his ability as a receiver. Love his versatility quite a bit. Uh, he's not my running back four, but uh, that guy that I have at running back four still is Chuba Hubbard. Uh, and that is the next pick here at the uh, first pick of the second round, 13th overall in this rookie poll mock that I did on Twitter. Uh, again, with oh, like about 10,000 votes, Chuba Hubbard uh, takes it down here. Are you a, a Hubbard fan? I, I still am believing in the fact that, you know, he just put up 2,300 yards from scrimmage the season before. Imperfect season full of imperfections all around him on the offensive line, quarterbacks, everything. There's reasons why he didn't look like the same player. So are you still there with Hubbard? Would have loved that he came out last year. Um, <laughs> Again, I also yeah. think it was possible that he may have gotten lost in last year's class too. I mean, yeah. it, it, you look back and you say, if you would have put Najee and ETN and Hubbard in last year's class, it's oh like, I mean, talk about historic. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think... This may be a little high from what I've seen where he's going to go in some drafts. Again, it's just running back scarcity is going to push him up. I probably will end up with more shares of him. 
uh, similar to like Anthony McFarland. I took a lot of shares of last season. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, but I like guys that are young. He's not even 22. He's not going to be 22 until after the draft. So even as a fourth year guy, then I'm okay with still taking that shot. Even if he goes, you know, I'd rather take the shot on him. I think he'll go probably like a half around behind Kenneth Gainwell in drafts based on, you know, I guess where draft capital ends up with uh, Chuba. I don't, I have questions on how high do you think he goes? Yeah. I'm seeing him round four, round five. So that <laughs> that, that makes so him bad. more of a value. That that would be, it would be so bad if the NFL let him drop that far. It would just be, yeah. I, it just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. He's got the sprinting speed. He's, he's got decent receiving chops. Oklahoma state doesn't ask their running backs to really do that that much. Uh, but it'd just be such an overreaction to a, a year where he had to deal with three quarterbacks, a bad offensive line play, and he wasn't healthy for the entire season. So I, I'm still on with, with Juba Hubbard. I think that there are still some believers. There's probably going to be one or two guys that take him higher than other league mates just because they're willing to invest in what they saw a, a year right. ago. But uh, after Hubbard here, there's like a, a big tier of wide receivers, really. I'm, I'm in Ross St. Brown of USC, Elijah Moore, Ole Miss, Tylen Wallace, also of Oklahoma State. In that tier range, who's your favorite guy uh, for long-term fantasy football impact? Man, this is a tough tier because I think if you look at the, uh, again, you know, a guy that I wish would have come out last year, Tylen Wallace, um, might have also gotten lost in last year's class with his ACL yeah. injury. So I guess I kind of look at him and say he checks the boss. He kind of reminds me of Brian Edwards where it's like he had the profile to come out for three years, but he yeah. went back for a fourth year and really, you know, didn't yeah. get to prove a whole lot, but he did get on the field at least. Yeah. He did at least to show, hey, I'm healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's good. He'll probably be one of the 22-year-old receivers, the four-year guys that I'm highest on based on his value. But um, of the three, I think that Elijah Moore probably has the highest, highest ceiling for me. Uh, again, I like the guys really young. He's super young. Again, not even going to be 21 when it gets to draft day. So this tier is intriguing to me because I think you could also argue Amon Ross St. Brown is that he is the prototypical like double. Right? <laughs> like you're drafting him to hit as a wide receiver three. Yep. If that's what you need, that's, certain formats. I'm exactly now, there. Right with you. Shallower formats, start two receivers with one flex. Not really, really a can. guy I want to take. <laughs> but three receivers, two flexes or more. And yeah. I can plug in a, you know, he's like a poor man's Tyler Boyd, like Doug Baldwin type, you know, like yeah. right system. I think he could be productive. So this is an intriguing tier. I like all three of these guys. Uh, I think Elijah Moore probably goes highest in the NFL draft. If I had to guess, Amon Ra goes lowest, uh, but Tylen Wallace has the, you know, he has the early production. So that, it's just a really intriguing tier. I'm going to probably have a lot of these three guys most likely. Yeah. It's just when you look at how they got to where they were, it's such a different story. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, I don't know if you remember this was like it was him and Justin Shorter and nobody else like in mm-hmm. the recruiting class. And Justin Shorter went to Penn State and disappeared, did nothing. He's now at Florida, still really doing a whole lot of nothing. And uh, but Amon Ross St. Brown had the pedigree like he looked like he was like going to be the next star. Uh, but just never really like in an air raid offense for USC, you know, he got overshadowed just consistently by other guys that you felt like he probably should have done more than. Uh, and even Michael Pittman kind of being the alpha uh, and overshadowing him, even in really his best overall season. This past year, he did have uh, a lot of touchdowns, but and that kind of saved his analytical profile. Uh, but Drake London looked better than him, who was like, uh, I think, a full year or more younger than him and and really Brew McCoy and and Tyler Vaughn's like they don't look a whole lot different 
than Amon Ross St. Brown did. So I think he's 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 just going to be that guy that blends in, catches some passes every single game, but doesn't ever really win you anything for fantasy football purposes. That's that's where I am with him. Sounds like we're on the same page. I really like Elijah Moore's analytical profile, early breakout, uh, great great numbers. Like uh, and really just on the field, he does everything. I talked about this with uh, the overtime uh, Ireland podcast with uh, Sean Siegel and Colm Kelly, but. He actually, he's, you know, supposedly just a slot guy, but he runs really well and efficiently as an outside wide receiver too. So he, I think he's going to be a, a steal for wherever he goes in the NFL draft. And Tylen Wallace, nobody's talking about him enough because he's just been, when he's healthy, he is one of the top five wide receivers in the country every year. And that's been true every time he's healthy at all. Like he just dominates. Even when his quarterback is terrible, he finds a way to dominate. Uh, but after this, we've got Justin Fields at the fifth pick in the second round. Quarterback two, I think there's a big teardrop. Are you, do you have anybody near Justin Fields for you for the quarterback two debate? Not for the quarterback two debate. And I think you're, you know, we talked a little bit about this with Trevor Lawrence, so we don't have to go into the idea of quarterbacks. Yeah. But I think, you know, you're not, after Justin Fields, I'm probably not considering a quarterback because, you know, I'm not potentially waiting any time yeah. for the guy to play. So I'm, you're better off trading that pick for a quarterback they can start. You know, you're not going to wait potentially for even half a year for a guy to start. No. So I can understand the the upside with Fields, but and I like you know I I love Trey Lance for Superflex, but you know in this type of one quarterback format I yeah. wouldn't take him. So yeah, no disagreement with Fields. Yeah, I like Fields uh, quite a bit. I have for several years, and really the debate the debate for quarterback one has been five years long uh, for this class, and it's been between only Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Tried to fake it against a really soft schedule. Trey Lance tried to fake it against an even softer schedule, uh, but he's got better mobility than Zach Wilson. I, I actually edge him over Zach Wilson. Uh, and really, I even like Mac Jones and what he was able to do as well. But after Justin Fields at the, at the fifth pick here in the second round, we got Diami Brown, who who has really been the most dominant deep threat in college football and, and has done, done that somewhat quietly so, I guess, because it's North Carolina and most people don't even care about North Carolina football. But He's got an incredible quarterback and what he, I mean, this past season, he had the deepest average depth of target by almost a half yard. Like uh, when you look at every other, (laughs) every other like wide receiver that caught at least 10 balls this year, his average depth of target was deeper than like everybody. And, and, and he was, he was just dominating a a game after game, Uh, had a couple games where he was a little quieter, but what he's been able to do in, in two seasons uh, just consistently averaging like 20 yards per reception, beating people over the top that are now in the NFL consistently. First round corners just roasting them. Two back-to-back seasons with over 50 catches, over a thousand yards, 20 touchdowns in his past two seasons. Uh, just incredibly efficient player. Uh, little little slender maybe, but are, are you on? Are you in on Diami Brown? I am, uh, with the caveat. You know, sophomore year breakout. Uh, actually, you know, people mentioned to me, well, I, you know, he didn't. If you look at his numbers from 2020, you know, they that North Carolina was mostly a running team this year, at least from when I'm why and I'm not a huge college football fan, but you know, that was a it was a running team. So he's yeah. still he still checked the boxes for two years. So I'm on that on a younger age track. You know, he's gonna be not doesn't turn twenty-two until November, so he'll play most of his rookie year as, you know, a twenty-one year old. So I like that. My only questions with Diami Brown are how high is he gonna go in the draft? I, I've yeah. listened to some NFL people saying you know, they don't think he's ready to contribute right away, which could knock him down to the, you know, late third, early fourth round. So that 
you know, that would scare me off a little bit that just as no matter how high I have him, you're gonna probably see what 13 to 15 receivers go in the top three rounds. If he's not one of them, hard to take him in the top two rounds, no matter how much you like his profile. Yeah, I I personally believe he's going to get there when teams really dig in. Uh, just because okay. of what he brings at the the second level of the defense. Like both seasons, you look at his splits in terms of uh, where his catches come. It's like uh, about 50% of the time, it's it's past, like he's catching it beyond 15 yards. And then he still adds yak per target, like top 10, top 15, both of the past two seasons. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to really, really value that. They'll probably be able to look past you know, his drops, he's, he had like a four or five game stretch where he just kind of had the yips. Uh, so his drop percentage last year was kind of bad. But that's like the only thing I would really nitpick with Diami Brown. Cause, and if he does get the capital, I don't have very many questions at all. So he was yep. the sixth pick in the second round. Final six picks here, just to kind of summarize and, and just want to get your favorite out of this tier. Jamar Jefferson was the seventh pick in the second round. Uh, Seth Williams, and by the way, Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State running back, for those of you who don't stay up late enough to watch Pac-12 games. Uh, Seth Williams, uh, wide receiver, Auburn. Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State, because we need more of those in the NFL. Uh, Zach Wilson, uh, BYU quarterback. Kadarius Toney, wide receiver, Florida. And Trey Sermon, to round out the end of round two here, running back, Ohio State, formerly of Oklahoma. So out of that, out of those six guys, Who's your favorite player that you're really looking to uh, succeed uh, long-term in the NFL? I think of those six, if you make me pick from these six, I'm not a big Trey Sermon fan. I'm not on Kadarius Tony at all. We're going to eliminate Trey Lance and Zach Wilson because I don't think I'd pick them. So I, it really comes down to Seth Williams and Jamar Jefferson. And, you know, Seth Williams is a tough one for me. Uh, there, If I look at my board right now, there's a couple other receivers I still have over him. So... I have to lean Jamar Jefferson. I think he's going to potentially end up being a little bit higher than the other guys we've talked about. I think he could be right in the range with Kenneth Gainwell and Chuba Hubbard for the RB4 spot. So, you know, really young. We've seen some young guys come out the last couple years that I liked. Uh, Eno Benjamin was one. Really (laughs) loved him. Early production. Went in the seventh round. People (laughs) still bought in, though. You still saw Eno Benjamin going in in rookie drafts and guys that were drafted three rounds higher than him were on waivers. So I think people were going to still buy into Jefferson. And if he gets drafted in the first three rounds, I think he's right. I mentioned Anthony McFarland earlier, but I think Jefferson has a little bit of a better profile. I think he may be a guy that in the right landing spot could be one of those backs you can get in this range. So I I probably will own a lot of Jefferson because I'm a sucker for, uh, you know, those (laughs) late day two backs that you just tell yourself a narrative that they can be the next, you know, Aaron Jones or Chris Carson, you're like, oh, they just need that opportunity and they'll smash. So, yeah, I'd say Jefferson of these. Nice. Yeah, Jamar, I, I am, am a Jamar Jefferson fan. Like, I really, dating back to his freshman year, Oregon State is terrible. Like, if you look at their track record yeah. of, 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 you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, they were putting out really good players. But their last three seasons, they were 2-10 and 10 in 2018 when he put up his ridiculous 1,500-plus yards as a true freshman. 5-7, and seven, woo-hoo, good job, guys. And then 2-5 and five this past year. Like, they're, they're not a good offense. They're never efficient. And the only reason they were moving the ball at all this year was because of Jamar Jefferson. So he was the anchor, the, the, the driving force of their offense when he was healthy. Kind of took a, a downturn when he was really struggling to stay healthy. Had to had to be uh, kind of buoyed and, and saved by Artavis Pierce, who is somehow in the pros still, I think. But Jamar Jefferson yep. is, is a really good 
overall back that's maybe not, you know, he doesn't probably have an elite calling card, uh, athletically speaking, but uh, he does a lot of things well, decent receiver, has great vision and speed. I think he could be in that running back four conversation for sure. I like that a lot. Some other guys that just missed the cut here, Michael Carter, actually, he's been rising quickly. People are really hyping him up in the Senior Bowl uh, week. Uh, He actually just barely lost to Trey Sermon for the final pick in round two. So 25th ranked rookie right now. Pat Firemuth at tight end Penn State. Brevin Jordan right there in that poll as well, just outside, just on the outside of round two looking in. And then other guys that received votes as well, Tutu Atwell, Kylan Hill, and Javion Hawkins. So out of those six, do you you have a favorite that you like as well? Yeah, I think there's probably a tie between two. I think if you're going to be really high, if you're going to justify taking Kyle Pitts so high, I don't think Brevin Jordan's going to be a bad kind of pivot in the next round. Yeah. Uh, again, format dependent, uh, but super young tight end. I, I think the comp from a couple years ago that, you know, Kyle Pitts is Noah Fant and Brevin Jordan is Irv Smith. I've heard a lot of people mention that. I think it's probably similar to where yeah. they're going to go in this year's draft. So, you know, you could get Irv Smith eight, 12 picks later uh, a couple years um, ago. Yeah, I think it's going to be similar yeah. with Brevin Jordan. Yeah. You know, I was a sucker for Marquise Brown. I was a sucker for KJ Hamler and uh, Tutu Atwell kind of fits in the same mold. So I, I would it. say him and Brevin Jordan, you know, if you like Diami Brown, you know, Tutu Atwell, a little bit smaller. But, I mean, if he can hit 170, I don't have – the NFL is not shying away from drafting those small guys anymore. They're not. I, so, they're really not. They're, they've completely changed their tune. They, they, they value guys yep. that, you know, add a yak consistently. Like, if you look at the yak, you know, like leading yak per target guys in Power 5 conference schools, like in the top – 10, 15 guys, it, they basically almost always get day two capital or at least inside like round five capital. And guys that do it consistently, guys that can get vertical and have like sub 4-4 speed, like a lot of people think 2-2 Atwell will have, I'm super high on Atwell. He's well inside the second round for me. Uh, and just an incredible, you know, 1,200 plus yard season a year ago. Uh, this year didn't go as smoothly. The offense for Louisville just had some issues I think people started to figure out Mikhail Cunningham this this past year, uh, but still, uh, I'm I'm a big two two Atwell fan myself. But man, this has been fun just breaking down, taking a look at. I guess we really talked about about 30 different players uh, that are going to be going high in rookie drafts most likely. So, listeners, hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ff underscore Travis M. Or out, out to Scott here. He, he's like in a bajillion leagues. We're super nerdy with this stuff. Follow it year-round. So if you have any questions for Scott, you can find him on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. But uh, anything you wanna, you're want you excited about that you're working on right now you want to share with the listeners here, Scott? No, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, good exercise going through. It, it, it'll it yeah. be funny to listen back to this in like two months and realize, yeah. oh, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense <laughs> or we're going to change that. But no. Uh, working on stuff for DLF. We have a kind of a big project coming out here uh, pretty soon. I think I'm okay to talk about it. You know, kind of a thing for after the Super Bowl. You know, some startup draft stuff coming out. Uh, my podcast, uh, a Patreon. I have a Patreon channel, which is Patreon.com/slash Dynasty and Chill. But no, just grinding, man. I think it's uh, as much work as you put in at this time of year. This is, you know, I love doing this every day. You know, there's something new to do. There's something new to dive into. Something new to research. And, you know, games are fun. NFL season's fun, but this stuff's more fun. So thanks for having me on, man. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm glad to have you. And listeners, like I said, if you want to check out the Rotoviz Rookie Guide, it just dropped this week. Uh, first volume, uh, you can go to rotoviz.com and check that out. There's three volumes. First one's 36 pages. 
talking about some really impactful metrics that uh, can predict the future and uh, some some fun mock drafts, some rookie rankings, and over 100 players. I think I wrote up 110 different players for that guide. So really lots of fun players on offense and defense. So check it out, rotoviz.com. But anyway, guys, thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.